<laughs> Give it up for Haley, guys. Haley, she's not even in the room. She's working hard to get everything situated. Guys, I have great news. Um, you guys went above and beyond. We are, like, so above capacity. It wasn't even funny. But uh, God provided a way. God opened doors for us to get everything we needed. And we're all locked and loaded. How many of you are coming tomorrow morning? We're going to Momentum this week. And raise your hand real quick. How many of you, it's your first time ever going to this event? Just raise your hand real quick. Wow, good amount of you. Awesome. Hey, real quick, I just want to reiterate some of the things they mentioned there. Yes, you have to shower. Please, you have to shower. Now, listen, ain't no rule says you can't shower twice, okay? Some of you, you might, you know, you've been a whole long day. You're jumping up and down, worshiping Jesus. You go into the hotel. You take your shoes off. And we all realize that there was more than the spirit on you. Maybe just wash your feet a little bit, you know, just get, dip it in the water, give it a little rinse, you know, because we're all in that room. And so you might be helping us out a little bit. And so we just want to make sure that you're hygienic. And listen, in a, on a serious note, hear my heart with this. Um, obviously, we asked you to have money to cover your meals and to pay for the various lunches and dinners. If for whatever reason you don't have enough money, if something happens, you know, where you weren't given enough or they forgot to give you money, Please do not hesitate or be too proud to just let me know, and we'll help you. We'll take care of you. Now, if I see you walking out that mall with some new shoes and some new outfits, and you come up to me talking about, hey, I don't have no money for food, I'll be like, go return all that crap, and you can buy all of us food, okay? So don't play me now. But at the same time, listen, I've, it happens every kind of year. Don't just be like, I'm, I'm just not hungry, okay? Because that hurts my heart. And you do have to eat. And so we're going to be mindful of that. We're going to watch to make sure that you're eating because last thing I want you to do is be in the middle of the worship service. And you're like, oh, and people think you got slain in the spirit. And really, you're just, you're, you're starving. And so we got to make sure that you ate. Amen? So I want to talk to you about something interesting, um, interesting to me at least. Um, I was thinking about something. I think about this often as we get ready to prepare to go to this event um, you know, I'm getting close to my 11th year of pastoring here at Excel, and then I've been at Excel as a, even as a student since I was 15. And so you're talking about almost 20 years uh, in this youth ministry. And there's a couple things that I've noticed as being a pastor here for so long. Um, actually, the one thing I noticed is I'm the longest tenured pastor, we've, youth pastor we've ever had. Uh, my mentor who, who trained me, I've already doubled what he did as far as time. And so it kind of makes me feel old. Um, but here's the thing. I've, I've been here long enough to see uh, people come out of here and go into full-time ministry. Uh, I've been here long enough to be able to preside over people's weddings and uh, dedicate babies and uh, just do all these amazing things that only come from longevity in ministry. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I've seen kids uh, who were in Excel and maybe came in with a, a rough situation or a difficult uh, home life and really thrive and become amazing parents and become amazing husbands and wives and do really good things and be successful in God's eyes and even in the world's eyes. Uh, but at the same time, I've been here long enough to see the opposite of that. Uh, I've seen people who once stood at this very altar worshiping God uh, go back to a, a life of drugs, become dealers, gangbangers. Uh, students who heard sermons on purity and end up uh, becoming teen pregnancies and even on a rare occasion become a prostitute. Uh, people who accepted Jesus at Excel and then suddenly claim atheism or that they're agnostic. 
uh, students that I've loved um, who were shot at, and a couple of kids have even died over the years uh, from violence, people who were in this ministry who heard the same messages you heard from literally the same person you hear it from and come out with completely different outcomes. And so I started to ask myself, well, what makes the difference, right? If, if the same people in the same room, how do you get different outcomes? You're hearing the same message. You're experiencing the same kind of impact. How do some make it and others don't? How can students who sat through uh, so many sermons and services live such different lives? How can siblings who grow up in the same house, same youth group, have one living for God and the other one not? How can you be sure that five or ten years from now, you're still in a relationship with God? Because here's the deal. Anybody can start something. But the Bible says that the most important thing for you is to finish. How do you know that 10, 15 years from now, you're going to continue to serve God and have a relationship with him and thrive in that? And I believe it has a lot to do with dirt. And so I titled this message, Dirt Matters. And um, all life begins and ends with dirt. Right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust in the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Our bodies were formed from the ground. We're carbon-based beings, and so if you were to break down our molecules, you'll see that uh, we're carbon-based, the same element that dirt consists of. And one day when you die and you're buried, your body will go back into that dirt. God put life into dirt. And that's part of the reason I believe he uses dirt as one of his first parables in the book of Matthew. If you're new uh, to all this, a parable is, is an illustration. It's a, uh, a story with illustrations and metaphors that we understand to explain spiritual truths that we don't understand. Okay, So it's a story with illustration and metaphors that we understand to explain a spiritual truth that we may not understand. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Matthew 13. And uh, I want you to see one of these first parables that Jesus talks about in verse 3 through 9. And this is kind of going to be the context of what we talk about tonight. It says in verse 3, he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, you know when somebody tells you listen, they're really trying to get your attention. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And I love that he says that not just listen, but you have to be able to understand. In this parable, there's three different uh, attributes that you see. You see the farmer, that's represented by Jesus. The farmer is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can plant life. I can't save you. No one here can save you. Jesus Christ is the one that plants life into you. The seed represents the word of God. Right? Uh, we are saved because we heard the word and obeyed. And so the seed represents the word of God, the good news that tells us that we can have a relationship with Jesus. And the field is the world that we live in. And the different types of soil can potentially represent you. 
So I want to look at those four different types of soil in this parable. And I want you to pay very close attention. Because as I'm talking, I want you to really analyze yourself. And I want you to ask yourself, which soil am I? Now, our temptation in many sermons is to think, oh, that's you. You're that soil. Right? And we always think like, uh-huh, he's talking about you. You're the nasty one. Like, we always, it's always somebody else. I want to challenge you to refrain from looking at everyone else. And take a moment and look in the mirror. The Bible says that it's a mirror, right? It, it reflects back what it is. And so I want you to be able to look at this and ask yourself, which one am I? And so the first one that we see in this parable is called the footpath. Now, this is an interesting one because if you remember, as I just read in the story, some seed fell on the footpath and uh, because it didn't go into the dirt, it was packed in, birds came and ate it. Growing up in my house, uh, I was that kid who couldn't leave his porch after a certain time, so all my friends hung out at my house. And I'm talking literally 30 deep. Like, there'd be like 30 of us hanging out on my stoop. And this is before, you know, internet and phones and all we had to do was hang out. So we just hang out. I'd show up from doing whatever, and people would be on my steps. And I'd be like, hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up? And I'd just go inside. And you know what was really messed up? When my mom would call me up, but the party was still going down on my steps. So I'm sitting there, and I hear them all laughing. And I'm like, dang, that sounded funny. <laughs> like, I'm all sad on the second floor, like, wishing I can go back outside. And so we, we had this stoop. Now, here's the deal. When you got 30 deep, not everybody fits on the actual steps. And so some people would stand around. And the way that my front yard was, I had some grass that kind of curved right into the pathway. And people would always stand there. So much so that that dirt began to get trampled for people standing on it constantly. And there was no grass on that one spot of my lawn. All the rest of the lawn had grass, but there was this one giant dumb dirt patch that looked salty as heck. It just looked bogus on my lawn. I know my dad didn't like it, but I'm like, bro, I need friends, right? And so there was this giant dirt patch. Why? Because it was trampled on so long, it was stepped on so long that the dirt got packed in. It got hard. And when that dirt gets hard and packed in, seeds can't go through. So if a bird dropped a seed or if we threw some grass seed, it wouldn't go into the dirt because the dirt was hard. See, this footpath represents hard dirt that's been packed tight by people walking over it. The seed can't penetrate the surface, and because of that, the birds quickly come and eat it up. This dirt represents people who have had a hard heart towards God. They're impacted by the ideology of the world. They're what I would consider intelligent fools. Uh, they're angry towards God because of what they've experienced or what they uh, deem as injustice by God. Their heart is cold and uh, they've come to church, but they don't hear a thing. Listen, uh, our churches all over are filled on Christmas and Easter with footpath type people who come out of obligation to friends and family and, and it's what you do. And we can preach our heart out and give the gospel and there's no response from them. They heard you, they just don't care because their heart is hard. There's nothing you could do for a person like that. Uh, you know, I can't preach a better sermon. I, we can't do a better illustration because they've already decided in their heart, this isn't for me. Listen, some of us in this room have had hardened hearts. We came to church only because mom and dad made us come and we sat there because that's what we were supposed to do. But our heart wasn't soft towards the things of God. And so what happens is when a person who has that footpath type of heart, as soon as they hear the word of God, they shut it out. 
They close themselves off, and the enemy swoops in and takes what was thrown at them. The enemy ends up taking in and scooping up what we tried to throw out. See, John chapter 12, verse 39 through 40 says, But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Romans 2.5. But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You've heard of hard-headed. This is hard-hearted. Very similar, though. Some of you know, I'm hard-headed. Yeah, you can't convince. Well, it's the same thing, but it, it's a matter of the heart now. They're stubborn in their heart. These are people that maybe you've tried to talk to about Jesus. People that you know they need it. They know they need it, but they're not willing to take it. They know exactly what they need. Here's the deal. You, you'll see this a lot, too. Uh, when we would do bigger outreaches, and we kind of stopped doing that years ago, because what would happen is pack of friends would come, and because they didn't want to look kind of weird in front of their other friends, even though their heart was responding to the message, they hardened it so that nobody else would know. Because, hey, listen, they didn't do it, and I don't want to be the only one. And so what do they do? They harden themselves. Some of you tonight, you might be here with a hard heart. And listen, some of it may not be just you being stubborn or angry. A hardened heart, right, that footpath is from people trampling over it. Maybe something happened to you. Maybe church hurt you at some point. Maybe leadership failed you. Maybe I personally offended you. Something happened that made you want to harden up in a matter of protection. Maybe you were trying to, to guard yourself from being hurt again. And the problem is you guarded yourself from people, but you also ended up guarding yourself from God. And you said, I, I, don't, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want this to happen to me again, and so I'm going to close off. I wandered around for a year outside of church just... I was too scared to fully backslide because I'm just a chicken like that. But I wasn't near God anymore. And I was doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. I was caught up in situations that I regretted. And I knew what I needed to do. But I had hardened my heart because I was hurt. See, hurt people usually have hard hearts. They know what needs to be done, but they close themselves off so that they don't have to respond. And I believe tonight some of you have a chance to change that. The second type of dirt that we saw was called shallow soil. This soil is shallow, and it's uh, right underneath it, there's rock. Now, Jesus tells us in this parable that the seed sprouted out quickly, but listen to the end result, verse 6. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. The dirt represents those people who simply have emotional experiences at church. It's shallow, just a little surface thing. They got goosebumps, they cried, they felt emotional, but it didn't go deeper than that. All right? They were moved by the music, something uh, the pastor said really hit home. They, they got triggered by, by a memory of their past. There was a, a genuine desire to respond to the message. But this type of people never take it beyond the experience. They just stay in that one moment. And so what ends up happening is they hop from experience to experience and never gain roots. What I mean by gaining roots is they never get rooted in their Bible. They never start reading this on their own. 
They never take the time to, to build on their own relationship. They never learn how to pray and seek God on their own. And so they just started to die out quickly. Or worse, like I said a moment ago, they go from experience to experience. Some of you haven't experienced God in the way you did at Momentum since last Momentum. And you're hoping, man, maybe tomorrow I'll find God. Well, God's always been there. But you just had shallow soil. So you're wondering, man, why am I going to go again if it didn't work last year? It did work. You just didn't take it the next step. <laughs> you had the experience. That's the jump start. But now you got to take it the next step. You, some of you, this is going to happen to you this weekend. Some of you are going to walk in with shallow soil. You're going to get goosebumps. You're going to cry. You're going to have this amazing experience. You're going to build strong relationships. You're going to be like, this is what I needed. I'm going to do this. This is great. And then two weeks. We're going to go on Thanksgiving break, and all that goes away for you. And suddenly you disappear in December, and you're gone in January. And now it's been too long, and it's awkward, and I don't want to come back. And you go through all these other things, and now you're just waiting for spring breakaway, because that's the next experience for you. Maybe you're waiting for summer camp. That's the next experience for you. Listen, at some point you'll graduate, and the experiences of youth ministry are over. Then you end up just hopping from church to church, Sunday experience to another Sunday experience. And you wonder why it's not ever taking root because you have to be the one to personally take root. Right? Because when the sun comes up, your shallowness is exposed. That's why the Bible says it dried out. Why? Because the roots weren't deep enough. Right? Deep roots can dip into that water, can get into that soil where there's still a strong amount of moisture. When we go from experience to experience, it's always camps and breakaways, conventions, things like that. Suddenly, you have a deep passion, but their commitment with God is shallow. Can I tell you something? Can I give you a behind-the-scenes look with leaders? This is one of the greatest challenges that we have to battle is our own personal cynicism about you. What I mean by that is this. We watch you have this unbelievable experience, and we want to be excited for you. And the thing we have to battle is the temptation to go, yeah, that won't last. It's a very real temptation because we've seen it so many. And listen, I've heard leaders say it. Yeah, that happens every year. It won't last. And I try very hard. I mean, you know, my wife and I, we talk about it. We try very hard. Maybe this is the time I'm going to believe it because not believing it doesn't help you. But it ain't easy when you've been doing this the last five or six years. Now, I'll grant you, for the lions in this room, I don't know why. Sometimes it just takes your senior year for you to be like, uh, I should probably get real with God and, like, take it seriously. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you realize we're going to kick you out in a few months. But listen, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. There is much more we'd like to say about this. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you're, I love how he says it, since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Did he just call you dumb? Right? He said, yo, I would love to teach you more, but low key, you're kind of stupid. <laughs> that's, that's what he said, right? That's what he said. There's so much more we like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull. Now, this doesn't have to do with mental intelligence. This has to do with the depth of your spirituality. You're dull. There's no sharpness to it. You didn't go beyond the experience, and you don't seem to listen. Right? Go on to the next verse. It says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Oh, come on, Bible's preaching now. Some of y'all been in this room way too long, and you're still waiting for somebody to spoon feed you. Listen, 
My daughter, four weeks, she's going to be born. We will feed her. Ten years from now, I'm praying to God she feeds herself. Right? Ten years from now, if I'm still feeding her, something is wrong, right? Something went wrong physically where she is unable to feed herself. Okay? If she is healthy, strong, and, and what God intended and what we're praying that she is, barring any unforeseen incidents, the goal is for her to be able to feed herself eventually. And I ain't waiting ten years. As soon as she can hold the bottle, hold it yourself. I don't even want to sit there like, nah, man, you can hold that already. Put your feet on it. You got it, baby. Like, she's going to be strong with it. But what is he saying? You've been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Harsh. But is he lying? He ain't lying. Listen, some of you, you've been in this too long. You've been in momentum too many times. You've been to, to service too many times to be waiting for Pastor Joey every week to spoon feed you. Right? I saw, the, you know, we got all those cool memes that have been coming out with the lady and the cat. My favorite one, because I hate when people say that. Hey, I just don't feel like I'm being spiritually fed. Right? Only babies have to be fed. You have to at some point take the responsibility to feed yourself. To take what God did in that experience and build on it. Listen, that's the only way we grow. Because I need some of you to start teaching others. I hear it. Oh, I can't wait to be a leader. And I'm like, I wish you didn't wait. I wish you started leading people right now. I wish you know enough to teach others. What, what's the point of knowing all that and you do nothing with it? Right? It's like a dude with all these muscles and doesn't work. It doesn't lift anything. That's all for show, baby. It's like, what? Listen, some of you got spiritual muscles, but you don't work. And so we got to be able to say this. Listen, I don't want to be shallow soil anymore. I don't want to be that person who keeps going and keeps getting scholarships to every trip, but no fruit ever comes out of it. Why? Because my, my roots will never go beyond that one experience on that weekend. I wonder how many people in this room right now are shallow soil, not understanding that what God has given you is to build roots. The third soil we see. It's thorny soil. Now this one might hurt. You thought the last one hurt. Watch this one. See, in this soil, the seed has been planted and it's taken root. So it's good. It's growing. It's growing out of the soil, but there are thorns that are growing along with it. Jesus tells us that these thorns choke the life out of the plant. These thorns represent your love for the world. And what I mean by that is the things that are not from God. The desires of things that the world offers rather than the things that God offers. Things like money, relationships, selfishness, uh, fame, uh, things that distract us from pursuing God. Now listen, these things may not be wrong in and of themselves. But when they take up space in your heart that's intended for God, then there's an issue. There ends up being a battle, and only one comes out winning. So Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's only enough room for one devotion. This type of dirt 
if I can be transparent, is probably the one we see most often at Excel. Because while you're here, you love God, you lift up your hands, you're passionate about the Lord. But then you go back to school or you go away to college and suddenly everyone is moving in a different direction. And all you want to do is fit in with them. These thorns begin to surround you and you start doing things that you would have never done. Because I don't want to be different. I want to be like the thorns. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. It's a gradual process, just like a boa constrictor that just slowly wraps itself around, squeezing the life out of you. Slowly but surely, it begins to take you out. Listen, I, I honestly, and I say this all the time, I honestly have better things to do than worry about what a seventh grader or who a seventh grader is dating. I don't care about your love life. Only your love life with Jesus. <laughs> okay? But I got to drink the tea because I'm trying to help you. I got to find out what's going on because one of the easiest things to pull your heart away from the Lord is when you give your heart to someone else. When you trust your heart to someone else, that's especially not godly. Oh, and by the way, I go to church is not godly. Okay? I go to Bulls games. I'm not on the Bulls. Okay? Just because you go don't mean much. Okay? So be careful with that. And my other favorite dumb line, oh, they believe in God. Well, the Bible says that the demons believe in God and shudder at his name. So what makes you any different? Okay? So be careful with these little tropes because we con ourselves into thinking, hey, God's okay with it. No, he's not. Not at all. You justify it. But he didn't. Well, God knows my heart. The Bible says that it's wicked beyond measure. That's what he says about your heart. He's not saying your heart is good. It literally, he said, no, your heart sucks. How about you take my heart and give me your crappy one? And so whatever it is, you have to understand, listen, there's no room for two. And I think you do get it because most of you in this room don't put up with it for your own life. Right? Like, Jack, if, if a guy came over and said, hey, listen, I want you to be my third girlfriend. What's up? You down? We're like, third? Dang, I couldn't even get second? Nah, third, baby. <laughs> right? We don't put up with that. We're not just going to be like, I mean, I guess I could be one of them. I, that's nice. Right? We don't put up with that. And yet we expect God to put up with being less than number one in our lives? God, you're, you're like there. You're, I'm going to put you in a glass case, God, and I'm going to break in case of emergency. You're just, get out of my way, don't get into his stuff. But when I need you, I want to make sure you're right there so I can break that glass and pull you out. And God's saying, listen, those thorny things that you're letting suck up the dirt from your life, that's what's going to end up killing you. That's what's going to end up hurting you. It's a parasite. There's a, a wasp that uh, it, it attacks a tarantula. And you would think tarantula beats wasp, but what it does when it attacks the tarantula, is it hits it like, pop, 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 right in the abdomen. And the tarantula lives, but he lives paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And in those hits, what the wasp did is it injected all its babies into the abdomen. So now the babies are growing inside the tarantula, eating the spider from the inside out. That's why it's still alive, so that it can be fresh as the babies eat and nourish themselves and grow and get out of it. That's what happens when we allow things that are not of God to come into our lives. 
It seems like it's just a quick thing. And you're like, no, I, I don't feel anything. Yes, because you're paralyzed, not because you're okay. I, I don't feel bad about this. You're paralyzed. You're not okay. <laughs> well, you know, I know we're the same sex, but, I mean, love is love. No, that's, that's paralyzed, perverted version of what God says. And just because you don't feel bad doesn't mean that it's good. Because that sin, the Bible says, leads to death, right? It gives birth to sin, which leads to death. And so it gradually begins to eat you from the inside out. That's why kids who once worshiped God in this room find themselves 10 years later having nothing to do with the Lord. Because it was from the inside out. I wonder how many of you are that thorny soil wrapped around you, having your spiritual life squeezed out of you and not even know it. It's the thing that keeps, honestly, me and your leaders up at night. We see every one of those desires for you. And we pray, God, would you remove the thorns? Would you get rid of the weeds? I need this to be just for them right now. Because the goal is to be the fourth type of soil, which is fertile soil. Fertile soil was both healthy for growth and free from thorns and weeds. Healthy soil has deep roots, is in good soil, doesn't share it with any thorns or weeds, and it produces crops. The Bible said in Matthew that it produced 30, 60, even 100 times what it had been planted. Think about it, right? A single apple seed, right, from a for a tree planted produces a tree that will give you hundreds of apples. And it all came from one seed. Well, when God plants that seed in you, you have the capability of producing hundreds of other disciples. That's the part of the fruit, right? What God planted in me is being reproduced in you. It was being reproduced in those after you. And so God begins to use that and he says, listen, I, I don't want you to just grow. I want you to produce fruit. We're not just trees for show. We're trees for food. Now, for me, that true sign of fertile soil is that it produces fruit. Because here's the problem. Some of us think, yeah, that's me. I'm fertile soil. I, I know all, I read my Bible. I know all these things about God. Yeah, I'm fertile soil. Okay, but does your life produce fruit? Listen, Matthew 7, verse 16 through 20. says you can identify them by their fruit. You can tell, right? I'm not judging you. I'm identifying you. I'm not saying you're this or that. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm making an identity call. I am looking, and based on what I see, I can tell what fruit that is by the way they act. So you can tell their fruit by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles, right? And it goes on to say a good tree produces good fruit. Look at that, novel idea. And a bad tree produces what? Bad for, well, I knew CPS ain't failing you that bad. <laughs> so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Listen, nobody cares what you say. Who are you really? Right? Like if I came up to you and like, yo, so I'm a bodybuilder. And you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I won a bunch of competitions 20 years ago, <laughs> right? What are you looking at? You're looking at the fruit. 
And this is a big fruit. We have watermelons up in this house. Okay? And we got to be careful because there's a lot of people that claim stuff. And sometimes we do. But listen, I'll be honest. Some of you, the reason you don't tell people you're Christians is because you know your fruit is rotten. And you don't want to be called out on it. You don't want people to notice it. So you don't even say it. You don't even mention it. You're like, oh, I kind of like Jesus. But you know, I'm not really producing anything. See, many in this room, I think, would assume they're fertile soil. And if I asked you, you'd say, yeah, I, I produce fruit. But here's the thing. Can people tell you're a Christian just by watching you? If people just watched your life, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? If you were in court and they were trying you as a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you and say, we know without a shadow of a doubt, based on all this evidence, that they are a real Christian? If, if, if people mimic your life, everything you do, especially the things that nobody sees, would they think they were a Christian? Would you lead them closer to Christ or further away? Is there fruit from your life? Are people drawn closer to God simply because they know you? Do people want to know more about the Lord because they see the Lord in you? See, that's producing fruit. And let me just give you a little caveat because I think sometimes we feel like, man, that's a lot of pressure to do all that. Not really. Because orange trees produce oranges because naturally that's what it's supposed to do. It, I don't think a tree sitting there going, come on, oranges. Like, it's not thinking about it. Right? It's not like one day. It's just, it, that's what it does. It's natural. I've never tried. I just was. I am who God called me to be, and that naturally produces fruit. So if you ain't naturally producing fruit, maybe you ain't what you think you is. And so that's the thing. I'm not saying you got to go do all these crazy things. I'm saying live out your faith out loud so that people can see. Be everything God called you to be. And that means mistakes. That means failures. That means you're going to have issues. You're going to go through stuff. But be what God called you to be. Because, listen, not every fruit on the tree is good. Right? Some of it got some bugs in it. Some of it got some low-hanging stuff. If you ever been to an apple orchard, some of it smells, right, all the ones that, it ain't all great. But it's got good fruit. But produced, producing little fruit is just not enough. I've seen kids, I've known kids who know their Bible backwards and forwards and produce no fruit. I remember I've had kids, many kids over the years. God called me to be a pastor. Literally, I've said this to somebody. I hope not. They're like, why? You're bogus. You've been here six years. You never brought one friend. You never discipled one other person. You never contributed to anything. What makes you think you're going to turn that on because you go to a Bible school? Because you think God called you. You know what? The Bible tells that God called Saul to be a king, but he didn't live up to what God had called him to do, and then God rejected him. So you can be called, but you can also miss the call by not living out and being the fruit that God called you to be. And so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, you know, be a missionary in the Middle East. You don't even come to church when it rains. All right? It's like, oh, it's too cold to go to youth. You want to go to the Middle East? <laughs> well, it's not cold there, Pastor. It's hot. Shut up. Here's what it is. You think it's fruit. I'll say it's plastic fruit. 
You ever seen like really good plastic fruit? It fools you, man. It fools you. You'd be like, oh, man, can I have one? Oh. <laughs> right? When you look at it, you're like, yo, that's good. When we were in Japan, like, I don't know, Japanese were weird. The Japanese are experts at fake food. Like, they have whole factories dedicated. Like, there's, like, artists, right? They're, like, super famous for just decorating fake food. Like, they don't even do menus. You just are outside the window of the restaurant, and all the fake food is in the window. And you're like, that looks good. <laughs> Give me that, right? Like, that's how you order stuff. And so here's the problem. It looks good. It even looks appetizing. But what happens when you cut plastic fruit is you realize ain't nothing on the inside. It was all show. It all looked good until you pick it up and you realize that's not how fruit weighs. That's not how fruit smells. That's not how fruit feels. And that's definitely not what's inside fruit. Because we can fool people in this room all day long. You can fool me real good. But you can't fool God. And you can't fake fruit. It's either produced or it's not produced. And so I wonder, how many in here, you're just doing a great job of looking like fruit. You're doing a great job of faking it. And here's the deal. Again, I'm on like, I don't give a mode right now. Um, I'm, maybe I'm just tired. This baby's coming. And I just don't. But here's the deal. I know, I would guarantee you, there are people who have come to this youth group over the years. I'm not saying you in particular, but let's just pretend. Who have come to this youth group with a genuine desire to get to know God. And then they meet some of you. And they go, that's not a church I want to be a part of. Because it's not real. I like the pastor. I like the worship team. I like the building. I don't, I don't like the people. They're fake. Or even worse, they show up. They're all excited, and then they see you, one of their classmates, and they go, you go to church? Because I remember last week you were, da, 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 da. your pastor know what you, I will chill on you. <laughs> That's why a lot of time when you bring your friends, I'm like, so how they really act? How they act at school? Yo, can I tell you some funny stuff? I know a lot of your teachers. Like, you don't know I know them, but I know them because I'm old. And they'll tell me. They're like, That's your kid? I was like, Yeah. Like, ooh, they got in trouble. I'm like, for real? Like, mm, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, let me catch them. <laughs> it's funny here. But I don't ever want to be the reason why somebody doesn't want to pursue God. I don't ever want to be the reason why somebody walks out of here. I want to be the reason why somebody wants to stay. I want people to show up, see my life, see the fruit of my life, and go, I want what he has. See, for me, the greatest success I had in bringing my friends to church was that they saw it in me. They saw the life I lived. They saw who I was. They saw what I didn't do. And they said, man, I want to be like you. Now, sometimes they said that when they were drunk, and I didn't believe them at that point. But when they would sober up and they'd still say it, I'd be like, come on, let's do it then. Let's go. Why? Because I don't want to be fake fruit. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean there's no scars on the fruit and they don't need a good lavada, but it means I'm trying to produce seeds. I'm trying to make sure that my fruit produces 30, 60, even 100 times more than what was planted in me.
because part of me feels like I owe it to the ones who planted it in me, and I owe it to the Lord for what he's done for me. To simply be everything he's called me to be so that others can see it and be everything God called them to be. Cat, if you can help me out. My prayer was that throughout this night, you would do personal evaluation. And most of the time, I think we try to consider ourselves a little bit better than what we actually are. But when we're honest, we go, yeah, this is probably closer to what I am. And listen, students, it ain't just you. This is probably some of the leaders in this room. It doesn't end when you get older just because you think, oh, now I'm this or now I'm that. No, we're all on this journey together. My hope was that you were honest with yourself and that you took the time to identify which of these four soils you really are. Are you the footpath? Have you just started to harden your heart? I remember there was a, a point early on when I was a teenager and issues with girls and going back and forth and getting hurt by leadership and church, all this dumb stuff that really was my issue, not everybody else's. And I remember hardening my heart. I remember saying, man, I'm just done with this. I remember I was last a couple weeks ago I was in Minnesota and I met this um, one of the guys who works at the university over there. And he used to be a, a recording artist uh, for Christian music. And I remember I was at a concert one time. And I was only there because I was heartbroken over this one girl. And there was another girl that was at this place. And my MO back then was to get over the first one, you get on to the next one. And so that's why I was there. They were doing like a battle of the bands, and he was a judge. And low key, this place was not full, it was empty, it was cold. It was kind of like one of those things. It was in the fall, but it was like half snowing. And at the end of this concert, the judge was going to sing and do a show. So he did. But one nobody in the audience because it got cold. Everyone, I'm going home. And thank God he still did it. And I remember I was helping put stuff back in the van. And I thought, man, let me, let me hear this guy real quick. Let's see who he is. And so I'm standing there basically by myself, freezing. <laughs> and this guy goes up there and he reads out of Ezekiel. And the verse says that I will remove their heart of stone. And put in them a new tender heart of flesh. And then I remember the Lord speak to me and said, Joey, how can you tell me you have a broken heart if you also said that you gave me your heart? Which is it? Do I have your heart or do you have a broken one? And I remember in that moment I said, God, my heart is yours. From now until forever. My heart is yours. But I need yours. God, I need you to give me a heart transplant. And I sat there, and he sang this amazing song that's probably really cheesy now. And I fell on my knees, and I wept. I just cried. I had my own personal moment with Jesus, literally by myself. And you know how cool it was this, this past couple weeks? I ran it. I wanted to meet him again. And I said, you won't remember this. This is well over almost 20 years ago. But I told him all the stuff that happened. He goes, I don't remember any of that. I said, man, hey, thank you for showing your fruit even though nobody was there. You could have easily just gone back to your trailer and gone away and you still ministered. You didn't just take your paycheck and sing. You still ministered and you ministered to me and you were able to save the fruit that was rotting on my tree. And by the grace of God, I told them, I've been able to speak at so many amazing places. I've been able to be a part of the greatest youth ministry in our city. I've been able to do amazing things by the glory of God, but because you gave your fruit. 
How many people are waiting to, to get a piece of your fruit? To be able to be part of the seeds that you've produced. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. And I want you to ask yourself, which are you? Are you hard soil? Are you shallow? Are you one of those people who goes from event to event? Just kind of wishy-washy? What kind of soil are you? Because here's the deal. You can be hard soil. You can be shallow soil. If you're hard soil, tonight I believe you need a breakthrough. If you're shallow soil, I think God's calling you to go deeper. Maybe tonight or maybe even into this weekend. If you're thorny soil, then I believe God's calling you to pull those thorns out. And if you're fertile soil, then maybe it's time for you to start producing fruit. So if you're here tonight, I want everyone in this room to have the opportunity to leave as fertile soil. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment, bow your head. And I just want to check if there's anyone in this room who's willing to open their heart to the seed that God has been trying to throw. We can't determine soil. That's your job. You're the one that can plow up the soil and have it be ready. But I'm telling you right now as plain as I can that Jesus Christ wants to have a personal relationship with you. That the very reason you are here tonight is to have the opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. But you have the option. You don't have to. I just don't know if you'll get another chance. So I want to make sure before we leave, if there's anyone here who says, Pastor, I've never given my life to the Lord. I don't even know what getting saved means. I just know that there's something missing in my life and that I've tried everything else and maybe Jesus is the thing that I really need. If you're willing to take a step of faith, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you're saved. You don't got to jump through hoops. You don't have to take classes. You don't got to go. If you believe it and you're willing to confess it, then you're saved. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know, is there anyone here who wants to receive that tonight? Who doesn't want to wait another moment? Just signal me by lifting up your hand and then you can put it down. If there's anyone here who says, that's me, Pastor. Thank you, bud. Anyone else? Awesome. Now before I pray, well actually, uh, Primo, if you can help me out with that. Now, I want to do one more thing as we pray. I want to call everyone else out. Those of you who are struggling to be shallow, those of you who haven't produced fruit, I want to pray tonight that God would help you. So I'm just going to ask you, bow your head one more time and just receive this prayer. And don't just receive it, but then go and do something with it. This weekend we have an opportunity to be fertile. We have an opportunity to go deeper, to, to pull out uh, thorns and roots that have been hurting us, to produce the kind of fruit that God has always called you to produce. But you got to be able to produce the soil. You got to be able to plow the soil. When a farmer is going into his land, getting ready to plant seeds, the first thing he does is he brings a plow and he uproots all the dirt. He opens it all up so that it's ready to receive the soil. So I want to pray that right now the Holy Spirit would open your heart to receive the, soil, the seed. That he would open your heart to get everything you want to get out of this weekend and even tonight. 
So Holy Spirit, I just ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you begin to plow that field, God? Would you begin to uproot the dirt, God? Would you begin to make fertile soil available and ready to grab every seed that's tossed your way? God, I pray out of this room that there would be 30, 60, 100 times the fruit that's been produced. God, I pray that there would be a, just an unbelievable, not just experience, but deep roots that come out of this, God. Lord, I pray that tomorrow when the services begin, even our first one at 3 o'clock, God, that even before we get there, there would be such a hunger, such a desire, such a wanting to feel your presence, to know you more, to go deeper with you, God. But more important than all of that, Lord, I pray that when we leave, we wouldn't just leave with an experience, God. I pray that this would be the beginning of a momentum that's going to carry us for the rest of our lives. That we would begin to double it up and go from glory to glory to glory. That we wouldn't have to restart every week just because we kept falling away. But God, I pray that you would help us to do exactly what we need to do. To fill every seat in this room and produce the fruit you called us to produce. So, Father, I pray over every one of these kids, God, that not one of them would waste this opportunity to go where you've called them to go and be who you've called them to be. We thank you for all this, and we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise real quick? Amen. Hey, just a reminder before you leave, make sure you're here tomorrow night in the front at 7 a.m., Please don't be that one kid we got to wait on because we won't. Bus is full. You're just making more room. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m.